Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Power Women in Insurance podcast. Today, we're talking to Ursula Martin, and you know what? She's amazing because she's data, she's claims, she's research, she's fabulous, and she has had a amazing career in the insurance. So this is a little bit different. She's not necessarily in the agency space. She's She's been working with carriers. She's been working with data. She's been working with claims. And you know what? We're here to hear her story today. So Ursula, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I am really, really pumped. We've been talking a little bit and I actually, I apologize. I ended up interrupting you because I was like, oh my gosh, I need to record this because you have such great energy. You have such a great story. So tell our listeners about you and your history in the insurance space and kind of how you got where you are today. Sure. No problem. So uh, like a lot of people uh, in the industry, I kind of fell into insurance. Um, You know, my intention from the very beginning was to be a social worker, work in research, and uh, my degree was going towards that. But I was also, um, you know, playing as a musician in a punk rock band here in Chicago. Um, so my passion really was always been around the creative and arts uh, scene as well. So um, I kind of, like I was saying to you earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the black sheep of the insurance industry. So um, a family, a friend and a family friend was hiring an insurance company and I just quit my job. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll go interview. I have no experience. I have no idea what insurance is, you know, <laughs> being in my early twenties. And, um, you know, I met this woman who ended up being my boss and mentor um, in my career. And um, she liked me solely because I played in a punk rock band and uh, she thought I would have this great work ethic because I have a German background and, um, and we hit it off personality wise, you know, to become very close friends, uh, over the years. And so, um, and she was a woman, so it was impressive to me as well to have a very strong, uh, woman as a a leader anyway, you know, despite it being insurance. Especially back then, because what year was this? This was 1998, 1998. There weren't a lot of women, especially in leadership at that point. No, no, not at all. Um, and she was, we were both kind of the same. We're, I don't, I don't like the word aggressive, but we're assertive, right? You know, right. we want to get to the answers. I, I'm going to ask questions. Um, why do we do it this way? Let's do this thing. And so I kind of drove my coworkers nuts, you know, coming up <laughs> at the same time, you know, I was opening the minds of people that I'm like, okay, that's great. We do We've always done it this way, but I don't, why it doesn't make sense. This is way longer. We can do it better than doing this. Um, and you know, technology at that point, um, we didn't even have a dial up <laughs> modem. Right. You know, there was no email that was all connected. Um, it was crazy. And so I was always pushing those buttons. I was asking those questions. I was driving people nuts, but at the same time, it was, that's where I came in to say, wow, I'm really into investigating. That's why I liked claims. Um, this is why I think insurance is interesting because the contracts are different and I can see where the disputes come and why it wouldn't be covered. You know, Mm -hmm. we always had this idea people purchase insurance because they're required to, not because they want True. And people always think, well, they denied my claim or this, they said this. And it's like, 
I didn't know either. Yeah. Okay. Insurance companies are bad, but once you get in and you understand that there's a contract with wording and what's covered under it and your loss, whatever it happened, that's not covered. So I started my career handling assumed reinsurance claims through the London market. Um, It was a big runoff book from um, HS Weaver's stamp. I think they participated on from the fifties to the seventies. And then, you know, what, what was really kind of, the problem with me is that I would learn something and then there was nowhere for me to go. Mm. So I was like, okay, can we move me over here? And so I kind of was making a lot of lateral moves, but I was moving to different areas. So I went from handling assumed reinsurance claims and I went to asbestos and environmental claims handling, which again, you know, I, I spent almost six years at my first job mm-hmm. uh, and it was all learning, right? Mm-hmm. I learned so much by handling that and the, the mentors that I had, even though I drove them nuts, um, you know, there was a gentleman there, I was telling you earlier that he refused to use Excel and was using graph paper and then asking me to input the, into an Excel spreadsheet. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. You're going to learn how to use Excel. Yep. This is, you know, this is the year 2000. It was after the Y2K. Yeah. Oh, Remember that whole yeah. <laughs> how, to use, how to use Excel. Wow. So, um, and from there, you know, I went, I, I've kind of done a 360, like you said in my intro. Um, I went from carrier to broker for four years, to back to carrier, then consulting. Um, you know, I, I went and, and I kind of specialized in runoff books. So right. with runoff, you're dealing with really old paper, really old policies. The, the wording was different, you know. So I kind of became that person, that specialist that could tackle that and, and, and look for an eye for certain things. Same with claims, you know, asbestos environmental claims, you have to know certain things, you know, the jurisdictional laws, you know, so that was interesting to me, you know, people outside of here would say that was boring, but um, especially reinsurance. I Mm. loved it. Loved it. I think that is the most favorite part of my career was tackling all the issues around reinsurance, you know, and how it applied and, and a lot of the issues that came out of that, because there were no systems, right? The system of records, were always pretty bad because um, it was manually inputted. Um, And a lot of times, you know, when you manually input it by a human, they're usually mistyping at some point, or you had people who weren't following the rules and inputting only partial information. Mm. And so um, I was really good at investigating and researching if it's um, White Mountain Records pulling back boxes and just shuffling through stuff, or it was, you know, um, going through uh, AS400 system line by line on a green screen and trying to figure out because you couldn't print anything either. Wow. You know? Wow. Right? Wow. So we got the ability of Yeah, you couldn't cut. Remember, you couldn't cut and paste yeah. at that point. So yeah. not until Microsoft got a little bit better that you could actually copy and paste into Word and then make a, a historical, you know, notes that I could print out wow. from the printer from Word. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you had to be creative with back then to try to get basically the data that was unstructured, what we didn't wow. even call the unstructured data at the time. Data wasn't even a word we used, you know, right, right. back 20 years ago. Um, but so anyway, I just, from all my different experiences from different parts of the insurance ecosystem, I gained more and more knowledge. And so I didn't even realize at the time that I've kind of became a subject matter expert because I had all, I had the 360 view of insurance, Mm -hmm. um, being Mm -hmm. on all different sides, looking, being part of the systems. Um, and when you're sitting in reinsurance, you know, you have to audit companies, you know, you're auditing these claims to substantiate, you know, their 
requests for reimbursement on stuff. And so I had access to all these different companies claim systems that I was auditing over the years. And I don't know, for some reason I have this, like my father, I retain ridiculous amount of knowledge that might not be very useful for a lot of people, but it was all insurance stuff. And um, very helpful in this industry though. (laughs) Yeah. So even today, if someone tells me like a company and I'm like, oh, they use this system, it, this is, it, it's not wow. able to do this and this and this, they need to blah, blah, blah. And this is how you get information out of there. Or this is where you look. And I had no idea how valuable that would be for me when I moved over to the consulting world. Um, so I did um, my last stint uh, before coming to InsureTech um, was uh, doing consulting and insurance practice for a big or a consulting firm. Um, which was really intense and crazy and cool. And what was different about uh, insurance industry is that, like I talked to you about everybody cutting back on expenses. Yep. So if you even wanted to order paper or a new keyboard. It was like, fill out a form, send it over. He has to get approved. You know, it would be like three months before you can keyboard. Here I go to this big four account. So I'm like, Hey, I need an extra screen. And like next day of FedEx comes and I got this like extra screen for my <laughs> laptop. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. They have money. We can spend money on That's like nice. notes, you know, for yep. this pad. So um, I was able to get the information, the the accessories to do my job. I, there was no limit. So I went gun ho. I was like, cool. We have access to all this information. I have access to database, da, 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 you know, um, and uh, also exposed to really, really smart people. We sat within mm-hmm. the actual practice, actually. So that was, I've always worked with actuaries, but not to the level of sitting in the room. Right. You know, I have a little bit of energy and um, I would have to present to actuaries and I think I freaked them out. I would throw in some jokes and I'm like, I'm going to get these guys to laugh. You know, that was like my, that was my uh, whole goal in life. And when I worked at PwC is to make actuaries laugh at my jokes. (laughs) And I did succeed finally (laughs) towards the end. Um, but anyway, hard to do, make actuaries laugh. I mean, that's kind of, that's a yeah. problem I did in itself, right? I made them uncomfortable. That's for sure. A lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I learned a lot from them as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was really around data, right? Looking at numbers, they're doing loss development factors and loss triangles and these analysis. And they have this very methodical brain. And here I am this like kind of insurance nerd coming into. And so I learned so much and I, I have that more in-depth knowledge of looking into data from working with these guys. So, and gals, um, and they're very smart. So I, again, like I told you, I, I'm not good in a classroom, but if you put me in a room with really smart people, I'm going to ask a ton of questions and I'm going to learn so much from that. And I can take that knowledge you know, and, and apply it to what I'm doing and in, in for my clients. Yeah. Um, so it, it was very interesting and, and fun, but, you know, the problem was, you know, throughout my career and what was different with consulting is that, you know, I was doing a lot of lateral moves. There was no ability for me to move up. And I, like I said, I wrote that article where I'm like in the back of the room, I'm going, Hey, 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 can you promote me? I want to get promoted. I want to learn more. Give it to me, you know, and I was constantly passed up. And given weird excuses. Um, and so I thought, what the heck, you know what? I'm going to move around. I'm getting good raises every time I move because you're not going to get a good raise sitting stagnant in a job. Um, and I just kept adding knowledge. Um, and as a result of all that over 20 years, aging myself, <laughs> um, 
that I realized I've, I, I have a pretty good, cool skill set here because mm-hmm. I've been all over the place. I've been in every system. I looked at data. I've tried to do this. I've, yep. I've come up with inventive ways to find out answers to issues or problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what I realized too in my career is that, and this is where this comes in around the women insurance thing that I do and the mentoring that I do with women is that I love mentoring. Mm. And uh, coming from the background of where how I grew up being in a single mom environment with sisters, um, that we all had to support each other yep. and come up with inventive ways to survive a lot of times. And I think uh, though that that life skill set that I have, um, I was able to apply to help women that I saw that needed my help and needed that guidance that didn't have the guidance at home that, you know, you know, you get to know people and it's like, I don't know, it's like that uh, radar of like, oh, hey, I think that person's comes from kind of a similar background as me and I'm going to help her, yep. you know, get her act together and figure out how she can get to the table and ask for more money or not be afraid to raise her hand to um, say, hey, I want that promotion. Um, because there was a lot of people that I've run across in the industry over the years that said, I just, I'm just going to quit. Yeah. I'm never going to get promoted or this person's mistreating me. And we didn't know to raise our hand and say, Hey, stop picking on me. I deserve better than this, you know? So, um, I'm a fighter in that way. I, I don't know if it's that punk rock background in me, but, um, so I really enjoyed that mentoring part. And so I was able to do that. And then, um, and it switched over, you know, I've done it with people outside the industry where people have referred me to, to help somebody or a lot of it has been in the industry too, where, you know, I want to help them. Hey, you're smart. You need to push for more and ask for that raise or that promotion, or don't be afraid to move on to another company. You know, it's, it's not that scary. Um, because I've done it, you know, and I, like I told you before, people would look at my resume and be like, well, you've moved around a lot, you know, in the industry, why have you moved around a lot? And, and at that time when I was younger, you know, one, you didn't negotiate your salary and two, you didn't really tell them why you left, you know, that either you were passed up for promotion a million times because you felt like it was because you were female or that, you know, you were being mistreated. You just didn't say it. And every time you fill out an application, it's just like more money. I just want more money. And I did get more money, which is nice. It's, you know, you had to come up invented ways to, in order to excel that way. Um, but I realized once I was later in my career, um, not until almost 40 years old that I realized I was making a lot less money than my male counterparts. Still, I felt successful that I got to the certain level. And then when I, I was having open candid conversations and I'm not afraid to ask questions as you know. Um, and I said, how much you making? That's inappropriate. Yeah. No, it's not how much making. And I would push and I got that information. I'm like, well, thank you. Now I'm going to have a conversation. (laughs) Um, but it was shocking. I was sad. I actually got depressed over it. But that was also at the same time when Me Too was coming out. Mm. Um, and then a lot of the articles that are still saying how much mo- less women make than men in all these different industries. And so women, my fellow colleagues, or even women, we were talking about our salaries. How much are you making? Mm-hmm. What's your raises? We're, you know, and we're putting all this together and we're like, oh my God, we're getting really screwed over here. <laughs> So that really fired me up and I was really pushing that um, narrative uh, over the last couple of years. And I think that really comes all together with the mentoring, um, the public speaking that I've been doing, talking about the workforce um, and the future workforce. That's one of my other favorite topics. And I know you want to talk about that a little bit too. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of a little bit of my background on where I've come. And now I'm sitting in InsureTech and that kind of, I was interested in that uh, over the last five years when I was doing consulting, we got exposed to that information, yep. attending webinars, but it was always a topic conversation. Um, it was very interesting too, because I remember when predictive analytics started coming into the insurance space and a lot of the uh, leadership there was like, nope, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't trust it. People have been afraid of it. I mean, people saw really, it as a threat. Every single aspect, the carriers are afraid of it. The agents are afraid of it. The, the you know, I mean, it seems to me like it's a very misunderstood area. And it's really just because of the fact that I think we're all being, I hate to use the word confronted with it, but it's like, it's going to happen whether you want it to or not. Right. Yeah. And, um, it, I think a lot of people are starting to accept it and embrace it because we know that it gives us so much, so many positivities to the industry. But at the same point, I think people are still really afraid of it. Yeah. And that is true. Um, and I, my mission always is, and it's even with my clients today, when I explain artificial intelligence and how it works and how it's a good thing, I give really simple layman examples of what it's done uh, so that they understand. Because, you know, we have a lot of consultants in this industry that come in and said, I can improve you. I, the, you know, we got data, we can structure it and it's going to do all these great things. And they're not able to explain it in a way that they can consume it and say, okay, I trust this. I trust you. And I have that background too. I come from ops, you know, insurance ops that I was like, okay, I've done this. I, and this is what it's resulted in. And here's what we found. And this is how it improved from an underwriting perspective and a claims perspective, just, you know, doing some of the stuff. Um, and it worked really well in that um, when I was with the big four firm and um, with my clients to trust that what we're saying with the data that we're identifying, you know, uh, the trends and the patterns and everything, working with my actual counterparts, which was amazing. And so it opened people's eyes more. Um, now it's kind of switched to AI, you know, cybersecurity, you know, you have my, you have my data, where's it going? Is it in the cloud? Right. And somebody asks, are we going to get hacked? And, and it's happening. Yes, there is security um, concerns, but on some of the aspects of, what we can do with data, it all stays internal. There is no bringing it out to the cloud and having everybody say hi and taking a look at your personal data. Um, and that's where we're trying to get people to understand that too. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. CAS certified. But going back to how I got into InsureSec was I had been following it. I've been talking about it, about the future of insurance and, and how things are going to change. And one of my slides when some of my public speaking was, where are all the data scientists? And really it's not saying literally where are all the data scientists. What my message is, 
guess what? You guys have to upskill. This is, you're going to be looking at data more. It's not going to be the papered page by page. You're going to gather information and do an analysis that way, or there's going to be technology in place. That's going to give you that answer quickly. So you don't have to dig through all the paperwork, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And we are becoming more data scientists, you know, the, the traditional way of how claims were handled. And I come from that. I had the paper file where I wrote my notes on the left side with it. I was so anal retentive about my claim files. Able to propel your career forward, right? Cause you were <laughs> on that DOS program and you couldn't even copy and paste and move. And I mean, what a frustrating time, but at the same point, what, what you can really see the progress now of the insurance industry and the technology in it, you can appreciate that a little bit differently than somebody coming in today. Yeah, right. Someone brand new that say, God, insurance is so clunky. I'm like, let me give you a little background on how my life was 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> this has moved mountains, you know, uh, compared to where we were at in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I, I um I was not looking for insured. I, I was interested in InsureTech and InsureTech came to me and I said, oh my God, someone wants to hire a, like a legacy insurance person to work for a startup in InsureTech. Hell yeah. You know, so um, that's how I got to Omnius and um, it's been a really fun, wild ride um, and I'm enjoying it. And so, and this is where I, I'm at today. So as we see InsureTech kind of grow, and like you said, we have to become data managers, right? We have to become data focused, data centric, right? Because that's really what drives the conversation really between even insureds, insurance companies, insurance agents, and the insurance products that we're able to put out there. Um, And even as an agency owner, I'm seeing a lot of people talking about clean data, even within our own individual agency structure, right? Like we're trying to make sure we have all this clean data. And then there's programs like Doris that's coming along and uh, systems like Doris are allowing us to take all that clean data and then they run analysis on it to be able to give us, for, for lack of a better word, like a happy score for our clients, right? Like what's their flight risk? What's their, so even on an agency end, we're starting to be able to utilize more data. The carriers are utilizing more data. And then the insure techs coming in there and interpreting, um, like you said, on a much larger scale for all of us in the middle and, and all these other pieces, where, where do you think all this is going to be going in the next few years? Because we have to be able to adapt no matter what our role is in the insurance industry, if we're on the agency or the carrier side, or even on the client side, we've kind of gotten used to going to the grocery store and scanning our, our discount, you know, our discount code, right? Before it used to be, oh, I'm not giving Kroger or whatever my personal information. (laughs) Now, when we leave Kroger, my husband's like, we save $3 and 84 (laughs) cents, you know, and he mentions it every single time he looks at the little receipt, but it cracks me up because we are so comfortable with it to some degree but like you said before, and I loved how you said it, big brothers watching with our cell phones and our Google Maps and where are we at? And we get in our car and it says, um, you know, it's, it's six minutes to, to, to a certain location maybe that we go to on a regular basis. There's data everywhere we go. As people get comfortable with that conversation and the industry gets com- more comfortable with the conversation, what do you see happening in the industry here in the next few years? Well, one of the things we still have to figure out is our rules and our controls around data. Um, It's loosey-goosey, and um, we let state by state 
make the rules, right? Versus over federal things. So one, it could get scary, right? Yeah. Scarier for us, especially what we've seen happen on the political element of data, um, what we see happening right now. Um, so yes, that, that, that over the next few, few years is something that needs to be addressed and that we need to really do it because, you know, um, also the products that are out there, right? The insurance products really relies on data. If you think about UBI insurance, like the embedded insurance products, um, the uh, parametric yep. you know, insurance, all this is heavily reliant upon data in order to, to, to price the risk anyway. Yep. And so, um, and the problems that I've always seen in the industry too, is that the, um, and I'm not a technical person, I always screw this up and the guys always yell at me, um, from my team, but the way it's structured already, you know, way it's formatted, there's no standard for data, right? Mm -hmm. so if you think mm -hmm. about telematics um, from different uh, OEM manufacturers, right? Well, yeah. they, they didn't all agree about a standard and how they were gonna set up the data. And there's so much data in the telematics and we only need a chunk of certain data from an agency level, a carrier level, right? Um, in order to price risk or look at the mm -hmm. risk, right? Looking at the risk scores. Um, and so I think over the next couple of years is that I, it's important that people concentrate on and coming up with some certain standards, some certain controls around data, because otherwise we see what happens as we've seen everything else is that it's impulsive, reactive behaviors to new technologies. And then it gets crazy. And then everybody has to reel back and you end up spending more money to kind of fix what you didn't really control really well in the right. first right? It's reactive behaviors. And we've had very reactive behaviors because of COVID, right? Mm -hmm. The pandemic, we forced so many people to work from home. And, and especially in the industry, when you had people who like to go in the job, right? We still have very large campuses of insurance companies, even the independent agencies, right? They go in, they want that face-to-face -face interaction. Um, and I don't think that's going away, by the way. And I don't think it should go away. You know, we, we as humans need uh, interactions, human yeah. interactions, physical human interactions, this, this virtual interaction, um, kind of makes you cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, if you ask me, <laughs> it, how you, it has for me, but, um, around that, um, where you have to also, you said the word adapt, we have to continue to adapt. COVID really pushed that forward. And I think it opened up a lot of minds of a lot of people like, oh, okay, it is okay. The world is not going to end if all my people are working from home. They actually are working. Because yep. there was, a, I remember um, I worked for a leader at an insurance company who was dead set work from home. If you, even on a snow day, he goes, you come in. If you don't come in, you have to take a sick day. You can't work from home. And we literally only, we didn't have laptops yet. Um, we still had desktops, but we had the BlackBerry phones and I could go and, and I, and most of my job at that point, you know, um, being in leadership position is managing everything by email. Everybody's emailing you and you're responding to emails. So I could have done my job that day by email, but no, I had to drive in and I lived in the city and drove all the way out in the suburbs. And it took me four hours mm. to go out in the snowy weather to I'm just soft, physically be there. Yes. <laughs> So that mindset, you know, and that was what, 10 years ago, that mindset has changed, right? And so I think now with the, with the pandemic and everything, oh, we can work from home. Oh, I can monitor my employees' um, work activities, you know, through leveraging data and seeing what's going on with productivity. Um, and that was another thing, too, is that we can never really truly measure performance because of all the disparate systems that we were yeah. managing, 
And so um, like Omnius um, is a connector for that, right? So we know you have disparate systems, but InsureTechs now have the ability of saying, hey, we can go behind the scenes. We can connect all this stuff. You don't have to manually gather your data. We can automate decisions for you. And now your life is better. You can concentrate on the really nitty gritty. The reason why you're a great claims person or an agent or whatever is because you know the business. Um, and, and especially from an agency perspective, I think with new products coming out, right? These guys are going to need to learn how to uh, understand these new products, but can do it a lot quicker with the, the help of technology too. Right. Yeah, completely. Completely. So do you see that women deal with technology differently than men as far as maybe they're adopting it differently than men? Um, do you see any difference in the rate of, of, of acceptance towards or maybe even like an age differentiation? Because I know it's that age. Like, um, it is not gender. Griffin yeah, and- it's 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 really age uh, difference. Uh, for me, you know, I mean, I have my dad who didn't have a cell phone till three years ago Mm -hmm. and he was such a jerk about it (laughs) because he didn't understand it yeah and now he's addicted to it yeah so it's human you know what I mean it's like once people understand it and and I don't know if it's that generation too uh, but you know with gen x with us you know we weren't born into it but we were young enough that we got exposed to it and we were curious. And so I remember in high school, we were just getting computer. We had a computer lab, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I want to check this out. You know, we were all like messing with it. We were trying to break the computer. There was floppy disks. Remember yeah. floppy disks? <laughs> and uh, now, you know, you have laptops. And we don't even have a f- this you know, at all. Yeah. No, we don't save anything. Mm-mm. There's nothing external. Oh, you're going to have an external stick, you know, but and people don't even want to use that anymore because you lose them and then yep. you lose relevant data. But um, so, yeah, I definitely think it's a, an age thing. It's not a gender thing for sure. And right. it's where you work, you know, I mean, the, my friends who work in construction don't know how to use their cell phone, but, you know, I have my friend who's a UX designer and he's the ultimate nerd on, you know, everything Wi-Fi in the house, including turning it on and off the lights with you, you know? So I think that also affects things. I agree. I agree. And I think too, it's really important that as we age to embrace new things because of the fact that if we don't, we're going to turn into grandma with remote control, right? Who watches like three channels, you know, who can't figure out how to be able to get over to cable or because cable went away that how to get streaming, right? I remember when we kind of made the transition from cable over to streaming, my mother-in-law and my dad and everybody were like, oh my gosh, we can't do that. And I was like, really, it's super, it's a lot more simple than you sitting here having to hunt for TV shows on different channels that might or might not occur because, you know, something else might trump it, you know, for the concept of, you know, a special edition of Dateline or something. I don't know. And, yeah. um, you know, and to me, it was much more reliable. You could watch which, what you wanted, when you wanted, how you wanted. But the idea of that completely blows certain people's minds when they don't embrace it. And I think that even in technology in our, in our, in our businesses, whether no matter what we're doing, if we can embrace the new cool things on our laptop, whenever we buy a new laptop, if we can embrace the cool new things that come with our cell phone, the apps, the technology, that it makes so many more pieces of our life work so much easier when we buy a new TV and all of a sudden we have a remote with like 83 buttons on it, right? There's not six buttons anymore. And um, I think if we embrace it, it makes the future processes embraceable. Yeah. 
But when yeah. they sit back and go, I'm not going to sit there and play with that remote control because it's got too many buttons, it! I got to go get one of those on, you know, whatever. And I got to get one from, you know, uh, Best Buy. They only have six buttons on it. If we stick with the remote control with only six buttons on it, then we're never going to learn how to work all the cool stuff that comes with our smart TVs. Same thing in our businesses. Same thing with InsureTech. Same thing with all the other pieces that come with it is that there's so much progress the, the efficiency, the knowledge, the understanding, the careers, the jobs. People say, oh, it's going to take away business. It's going to take away jobs. No, it's, it's actually creating jobs just in a different direction. Right, right. And I think we need to embrace all that. Yeah. And, and yes, technology has reduced uh, some jobs, right? I mean, there is. It's that, but that's with anything. You know, it, you think of the manufacturing, car manufacturing. You know, when he brought the robotics arms around, you know, it's, but at the same time, you have to reinvent yourself yep. and, and do it. And so um, that's one thing that's cool that I like about what my current company is doing is that we actually take people who didn't have a technical skill set at all and make them technical. And they didn't even realize what they were doing. It was funny when I first started and I was like, wait. You just train them how to, you know, manage an algorithm and they never even had that before in their life. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, that's called upskilling. This is what I talk about. I got so excited. And they were like, calm down, Ursula. I'm like, no, you have no idea. You know, I'm, you're proving what I've been saying, you know, the last couple of years. And they are. So you took a non-technical person who was managing paper and manually scanning into uh, a scanning system, right? You know, those big yep. scanners and and now, while they still have people scanning, not as many, because they automated a lot of that indexing portion of it, that supervisor was able to be upskilled that she's going in there, and I know it's a particular client of mine, that she goes in there and she manages the algorithm. When, when that AI doesn't pick up certain aspects of that incoming information, she goes in there and adjusts to retrain it. So it learns more, right? I love that. I right. Love yeah. So, I mean, I even if her, 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 I think it's fine. Just like you said, we need to be growing all the time. Just like you said, at the beginning of your career, I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to learn more. I want to be more. I want to achieve more. I want to blah, 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 blah. Right. And, and we have to do that to keep our minds fresh, to keep our careers fresh, to keep our industries fresh. We yeah. have to learn. We have to scale. We have to grow and not be afraid. Yes. Cause there is fear. There is, it, it's this weird so much fear. fear. Um, and it, it's because there are critics, you know, we have access to the internet. So you get thrown all this, you know, negative information, you know, negative things that happen. There's not, there's more negative than there is positive about a lot of stuff. Uh, and I can go down that road totally when it comes to insurance processes, <laughs> trust me, I've done it. Um, and you know, there's just a lot of positive that we don't talk about out of it. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's little, little baby things that are, are huge improvements on ROI that people don't even get. Yeah. Like changing one little teeny baby, little baby bit of your process to enhance it with technology that it's actually going to have a huge impact on ROI at the end of the day. So, um, and from different aspects, you know, it's not from an actual expense cost, but it's a people cost, right? Your human capital um, yep. as a result of it. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Ursula, I have loved talking to you today. If people want to reach out to you and talk more about this topic, because it's super in interesting. And I think it could just be one of those topics that just goes on and on forever. I know. And I ever know. and ever. So how can people reach on out to you and get to know you a little bit better? Oh, sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and um, you can email me directly, Ursula at omnius.com. Uh, 
um, or LinkedIn. Sounds perfect. Sounds perfect. Well, everybody, this has been another amazing episode talking about data, talking about women, talking about careers, talking about the future of insurance just overall today. And we are so excited today that we've had the opportunity today to be able to talk to Ursula. And you know what? Everybody, make sure that you guys catch another episode of the Power Women in Insurance as we talk to another amazing woman, pushing the boundaries, connecting, being able to create the insurance culture of tomorrow. And you know what? We are so excited that you joined us today. Everybody, have a really great week. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com, check out what we do, because we do all those bad things that you can't do, really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good, or you don't even want to do them anymore, because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that, and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up, go to ChatGPT, put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said, I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.